New details in the investigation regarding Maishi Kleinerman, the 15-year-old Haredi boy who has been missing for over three months here in the land of Israel. Is prostate cancer a thing of the past? Israeli researchers use breakthrough tech to treat prostate cancer for the first time. And totally kosher! Busy in Brooklyn drops the name of her second cookbook. Her fans are super excited. And in case you guys have been wondering where Libby is, well, we have her back on the show. She has so many interesting things to share, starting off with a amazing wedding that took place in Monroe this weekend. Now, I was only in Monroe once, so I've invited a dear friend of mine, one of our squeeze favorites, That's right. Libby, to join us. And tell us about this incredible experience she had. But first, a few details about Monroe or Curious Yol itself. So Curious Yol is essentially a village in the town of Orange County, New York. They have the youngest median age population of any municipality in the United States. 13.2 years old average. It's safe to say this does not include any dogs or pets. According to a census from 2008, the village has the highest poverty rate in the nation and the largest percentage of residents who receive food stamps. However, it has no slums or homeless people. No one who lives there is shabbily dressed or has to go hungry. Crime is virtually non-existent. Now, I can attest to this because I spent a Shabbos there. My great aunt lives there, Mora Blanca Rosenfeld. We called her Tanta Blanca. And I went for Shabbos once, and it was a beautiful experience. Definitely eye-opening, but today we have... A little more insight from Libby herself. But first, let me tell you about the Tzedakah Fund of the Jewish People. This episode of the Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Daily Giving. Now, many of you have already signed up, and I hear about it every single time because Jonathan, the brainchild of Daily Giving, gets a text to his phone, and every single giver is exciting. As of today, there are 10,309 people giving a dollar a day. $1. That's it. A penny more than 99 cents that is distributed all across the world to amazing organizations that you know and love like A-Time, Aisha Torah, Amudim, High Lifeline, Camp Hask, Chesed 24-7, and so many more. The list really goes on and on. And you know what? Daily Giving is doing us a favor. There's no sign-up fee. And from now on, you will be giving charity to these amazing organizations that you might have not known existed, like Lamana Chai or Leiv Achim, an amazing organization that helps Israeli families get out of poverty permanently. Pantry Packers, Shabbat.com. I mean, the list goes on at Torah anytime. Your dollar is going to be part of this. So what are you waiting for? Go to dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze. Sign up today. Let them know that I sent you and join the movement. Become a daily giver. It will bring so much bracha into your life. Join the tzedakah box of the Jewish people at dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze to school of mitzvahs. All right, let's get Libby on the line. You're already annoyed with me. You've been on this for, you for three what seconds. Is? Why are you annoyed with me? Let me explain to let me explain to the people. We started this <laughs> an hour ago, and then my kids needed to go to school. I thought my kids started at nine. Apparently, they started at eight, and we had a really fun vibing intro going. And we, and we did. had this fun, yeah, and we did. And then I deleted it. And Libby's annoyed because she's a yeka. Are you a yeka? Or, no, or, or I'm Hungarian. Actually not. Where are you? I'm Hungarian, and I want to tell you something. I have a rule: I don't delete stuff, and I'll tell you why. Because you never know if there's that hidden gem that you want to go back to. And I do video I, I, production. No, I've, I have it all the time. I am full of hidden gems. I'm one big explosion of <laughs> gems. <laughs> don't you worry. Now let's but get now right to it. But now our viewers 
are missing out. Our listeners, our listeners. Our listeners. Our listeners are not missing out because, (laughs) like I said, there's just one amazing uh, experience after the other when you're a squeeze listener. Uh, Anyone who's watching, or again, look what you made me do. Anyone who's (laughs) listening (laughs) knows that they're in for a good time. Welcome, Libby, to the Weekly Squeeze. Tell us about this beautiful wedding that you experienced this week. And it was a wedding, but it also wasn't a wedding. So go ahead. The floor yeah. is yours. Can I first say hi to everybody? Hi, hi. Libby from Monroe. What? <laughs> Not at all. From Williamsburg. But you have, deep conne- from- you have deep connections with Monroe. Yeah, I mean, I have, yeah, of course, I have, I have friends there. Mm-hmm. So hi to everybody. It's very nice to be back. Now I'll, talk, I'll tell you about the wedding. Um, it was actually a very emotional, very touching, very holy, and also very heartbreaking event. I have a friend. How can, how can a wedding be heartbreaking? You're already building up the mystery here. Heartbreaking wedding. Go on. Yes, but also a very, very touching, holy, holy type of wedding. I have a friend who, unfortunately, her oldest child and her second child are sick. I'm not sure what the name of the disease is, but it's a it's a physical ailment and it's very rare and it's really, it's very heartbreaking, the details. And ever since they were young, she was talking to me about her oldest, for instance, and she would say that she dreads the day that he will grow up and he'll see all his friends are getting married and he'll ask her why he can't get married. So I guess, and he's a very smart boy, he's 25 now. He he learns, he was Messiah Shas one time already. Really, really great boy. And I guess, I don't know what they told him throughout the years, but they must have prepared him. And one day he told his parents that he wants to collect money so that they can write a Sefer Torah for him. Beautiful. Yeah. So he, in his illness and all his struggles, he went and started collecting money. Of course, people gave, but also they, his parents um, also did their own hishtadlis. Contributed, to to, contributed yeah, yeah, generously. Yeah. So basically what happened the other day was they literally created a wedding for him. They verbally expressed it in the drushes um, and in uh, special songs that were written for him. They did a Hanasa and they expressed... One second, so let's back up. You get an invitation to a Hachnasa say for Tyra, did you know right away that what kind of circumstance this was and so what, what I, the experience would be? So I did. Well, I did because she's a close friend of mine. So she had mentioned to me many months back, that, and I know her son. I was with her in the hospital many times and so on. So she mentioned to me that he said he wants to have a Sefer Torah written and they're going to do it and they're going to have a Chnas Sefer Torah. So the day was in my calendar. So for those so for those of you listening who've never experienced a Chnas Sefer Torah, when a community writes a Sefer Torah, when a person writes a Sefer Torah, my cousins recently wrote one for their parents or obviously hired a cipher to write one. A Sefer Torah is very expensive, can be tens, if not even up to $100,000, you invite the Sefer Tyra into your shul with a tremendous celebration. There's music, there's dancing, people, you know, singing in the streets. It's a tremendous simcha for the whole community. It's open to the public usually. And it's one of the beautiful Jewish customs that we have that expresses our joy for each and every Sefer Tyra that's written and brought into our shuls. So here there were two elements there was the beauty of a Chnasa Sefer Torah and the element of the wedding. Now, let me explain to you how it was presented. Um, they had a gorgeous, gorgeous Chnasa Sefer Torah happening. It left, obviously, from his house. So he and his brother, they're 
mostly in wheelchairs. They could walk, but it's difficult for them, and they need to rest a lot. So their wheelchairs were adorned with roses, the same <gasps> I roses. The I have the yeah. chills. This, it was very touching. The same roses that were on the crown of the Sefer Torah, the silver crown. And as they were dancing in the streets, they barely moved. It was like one inch at a time to prolong those moments, to give this boy, this chassan, so to speak, um, as much pleasure as possible. So the whole community of Curious Y'all came out to the streets to escort these boys in their wheelchairs to the hall where they continued celebrating throughout the night? Yeah, yeah, people who were able to come. It was was early in the day, so, I mean, it was like 5 o'clock, so, you know, whoever was able to come, yes. And people were dressed up, and there was live music. Dressed up, like, yes, like to a wedding. There was music in the streets. There was Mika Amchayus Roll, really. Yeah, yeah. There was what we call Faklin, you know, the little boys held these torches, and... It was incredibly beautiful. And then when they got to the shul, um, you know, obviously the, the sifatora that are already in the shul came towards that one and invited it in. Then everybody went to a wedding hall where weddings are done. And it was set up literally for a wedding. Beautiful. The tables were gorgeously set and flowers. It was By the way, let's just point out that there's no kala here paying for half the wedding. This is a wedding that right. was sponsored and and paid for by the Hassan side for the love of Tyran, for the love of their children, because I could only imagine the level of joy that this young man felt to fulfill this lifelong dream and to have an experience where he's the center of attention and honored for who he is and exactly and by the way that's exactly how he was brought into the wedding everybody came sat down to start the meal and all of a sudden the music starts playing you know the the type of song when you when you bring in the chasenkala when the chasenkala come in to after the yes 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 they lifted him up they brought him in it was unbelievably amazing there was not a dry eye by the way in the room I'm really excited to bring this story to our listeners because this is not something that you're going to see in the news I don't believe so this no. is not something yeah no. that is going to be publicized with photographs all over town. This is a intimate, personal, yes. private, and very real experience that that happened in the lives of a family that's, you know, struggling with a tremendous challenge. But mm-hmm. they embraced it and they recognized that it comes from the Eibushter, it comes from Hashem, and that everything is interconnected. The Taira, Hashem, its people, they're embracing it and they're thanking Hashem, Hashem and His Taira yes. for for the beautiful life that their children are having it's it's really something it's something very exactly and not only that let me just tell you what happened inside the wedding hall throughout the night for five hours they verbalized again and again whether it was through song or um the the rabbanim who spoke mentioned it in their speeches officially verbalizing that this is the wedding of this boy getting married to the torah he is the chassan, and he's marrying the Torah. And they were saying, you know, everybody, what do we strive for, us Yidin, to have children, to, to bring down doyres and families. But he is focusing on learning the Torah, because this is his kala. It was just, it was you, very, You very... mentioned to me when we were talking on the phone that the words of the Torah, the words and the practical yes, that the implications word... of them. Right, those are going to be his children. Amazing. Amazing. I, and I was, and by the way, talking about it, uh, it being an intimate event, I didn't even, <laughs> I, most people don't have smartphones over there. So I didn't even want to take my phone out to take pictures and videos. I was going to ask you, how did you resist <laughs> not pulling out your camera and like, you it know, was, 
it was going to town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was actually extremely difficult, by the way. But I decided, let me respect, you know, the situation. And also, she recorded it on audio. So uh, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Right. It was everybody was crying as he was dancing. It was just such an unbelievable experience. It was like, this is what Hashem looks at. And 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 just this is a moment where you say, let Mashiach come, you know. Amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> what a beautiful story coming out of Curious Y'all. Yeah. Um, Anything else regarding, let's say, the feminist movement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, what, what aspect? Of okay. It? No. No. I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Well, honestly, I. What fascinates me about you, besides for the fact that you only ever wear a sweatshirt, is that <laughs> you really have. <laughs> wait, you really, wait, wait, wait a second. I have what? to interrupt you, but don't lose your thought. You won't lose your train of yeah. thought. Okay. No. No. Go speaking ahead. Speaking. Speaking. This is embarrassing. I'm going to embarrass myself. Everybody, don't listen. Thanks. Um, when I went to the Hanasa I'm so used to dressing in a casual way that I forgot that you're supposed to dress up like, so like you, it's so a you went, you So you a went in a sweatshirt? Almost, but no, not a sweatshirt. Oh, oh, you, wore, a, a, you wore a sleeping bag? Like a, <laughs> no. I would. No, but like a weekday outfit. And I was very lucky that it was a rainy day earlier in the day. So I was able to wear like my rain jacket. And that's what I wore the whole entire time. You couldn't take it off because you're you're wearing a camouflage t-shirt underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily not camouflage. (laughs) You have a Balabathisha jacket. Now, the reason that Libby has a Balabathisha jacket (laughs) is because you really have a foot in both worlds. You grew up in an environment where you understand the uniqueness of being Hasidic and preserving old school values, yes. the tradition, speaking Yiddish at home, the, yes. the, the priority where, where family is the center of you know, your whole universe. And on the other hand, I consider you a modern woman. You are out there in the world. You have friends from all different communities and backgrounds and you, you drive <laughs> you work, you travel. And I was talking to you about this on the phone. And we'll just t- touch on it and then we'll move on because there's so much to talk about this week. And I really want to get to all the news. But this <laughs> is important. So you understand the mentality of the Chassidish, the Satmar, the Hamish. But you also understand the mentality of people who are pushing for progress, for yes. women who need to be seen and heard, for fanaticism when it comes to erasing women or shalom, you know, controlling them and all that. So how do we find that balance? And what do you recommend for someone like me, for example, that has an audience on both ends? I have listeners that are Satmer and I have listeners that are, you know, support women of the wall. So, so how do we toe the line and not offend anyone? Okay, for me personally, because of life circumstance, I had to find a balance somewhere. I love my 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 Hasidic roots. I love it. I live it. I am it. I will never not be it. You know, I'm proud with it, and I. It's always. By it's the way, always, that that that's a song. I love it. I live it. I will never not be it. <laughs> can we can we can we do this? Can we record? <laughs> <laughs> it's a vibe, okay. guys. When when you hear this, when you hear the release, yeah, you'll 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 know where it happened. I love it. I live it. Okay. This is this is where it was born on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I live it. Live I will it? never <laughs> not be it. Okay, oh, we'll work on it. But okay, we'll go on. on. We'll we'll polish it up. Uh, where was I at? It's your it's your I identity. Love. But on the other hand, on the other, on the hand, other hand, I need it. You're a modern woman. It's it's not no I wouldn't call myself a modern woman. I, I would I would say I just had to tweak certain details of my life or my lifestyle so that I can go ahead and do what I got to do. Instance, for instance, for instance, <laughs> for instance, you say like for if instance I now. If I I do video production, okay, 
I have to carry a lot of heavy equipment around do you get, when I do, do a you job. Do you get your cameras in B&H? Uh, actually, I do. <laughs> actually, you do. Okay. Yeah, primarily, yeah. Do you have connection? Do you have family there? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Actually, I, I do. No? Actually, actually, I don't, but I do, actually, I do know a lot. <laughs> but you I pay do. full price like every other Joe Schmo. Okay. Yes, yes, by the way. I, okay. Although I do know people who work there, like friends' husbands and stuff like that. But Anyone yeah. with a Jewish pulse knows somebody working at B&H. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so what I was saying was that, so imagine schlepping um, heavy, very expensive equipment on the train or whatever. I would never get anywhere. I wouldn't get to any gigs. And I wouldn't get anything done. That's why, you know, I, the fact that I drive is enabling me to, to really continue with my career and I know but hold on what about the fact that it disables other women from continuing their careers if they're not allowed to okay drive? okay so that's where we get to the point of what's really happening inside of the welcome to the weekly squeeze where we ask the hard questions <laughs> guess what I'm not afraid of the questions <laughs> go love it okay so basically in the in the in the heart of the Hasidish world most women don't even let alone the fact that they don't have a desire to drive, they have large families. So their main focus, and I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world, their main focus is their children, their husbands and their children. So I don't know if most, but the larger percentage of Hasidic women do not have careers. They, they, they do have jobs, you know, after they leave school, after they get married, till I guess the first child, the second child, everybody's different. They're working full-time as homemakers. Yes. So therefore, they don't need careers. Okay, or they don't, they don't necessarily want it's careers. It's not about, they're, they're, no, I, I want to I point something out to you. It's about where their passions are. Their passions and their focus is on building a family and raising their children in the right way. Not that it's not my passion, but I'm just saying, I'm talking about, so they don't feel the desire to drive. Now, you could say, and I've heard this conversation, I had this conversation with people that they have, 12 children, hello, they need a car. If they need to go anywhere, they're schlepping on buses and trains. And you know what? It's true. But the, it's the lifestyle. It's the certain element of tzniyas or whatever the reason is that women don't drive in the Hasidic community. You know, my sister-in-law is Sephardi and she lives in Kiryat Sefer, which is a very, very Haredi city here in Israel, com- comparably to Meisha Arim. And she doesn't drive, not because she's not allowed to drive, but because for the same reasons. She has a large family. She's completely focused on being a mother, and right. besides the fact that getting a license here in Israel is expensive and, and a real long process. Oh, I but didn't she, know that. Yeah, but besides the fact, she can't even get all her kids into the car at the same time. So anytime <laughs> she would have to go somewhere, exactly. she'd have to rent a minibus. So, yeah. Exactly. That, that, that could also be a problem. So that's what I'm saying. It's not that they're oppressed. It's not that... There, there are women who... I've met Hasidish women who would want to drive, but they can't. Um, sometimes they... Uh, you know, couples that like to travel and the husband wouldn't mind switching up, uh, you know, the driving so they can split it. But whatever, it's not worth it for them to go through the hassle because they won't be able to drive in the local streets of whether it's Williamsburg or Monroe or Muncie. So there are those, but mostly the Hasidic women don't have a desire to drive. It would just be a waste of their time and But energy. I want to hear about they're, the women who are working, who are doing things that they love and that they're passionate about and, and, and making some money. There are very many successful Hasidish ladies who have wonderful businesses. For whatever reason, they decided to open up a business. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of women who do have very, very successful careers. Um, it's just it's within the community. They don't need to drive. They don't need to go out there. So I stand corrected on that. But those 
Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. There, are, you know, people have a little bit of a of a wrong impression sometimes about the Hasidic community because we're so sheltered, um, and people don't really know. People from the outside don't really understand what goes on within the Hasidic circles. There's a lot of beauty going on, and there's a lot of there, there's there's freedom to do a lot of things. The Hasidic ladies, they they. They get together, they sing, they they create stuff. I, I, I was in Monroe for Shabbos, and okay. maybe this was 15 years ago, but I remember clearly the girls telling me that they don't sing in public at all. Now, I don't mean in public for men, obviously, but they don't sing in school. They yes, don't they sing do. When there's, what do you mean? They don't, no, she told me they don't sing in camp. They don't have choirs. They don't sing when the girls... I'm sorry. I don't know who you spoke to, but I went to Satmar Camp, and I went... I very often visited Monroe to go visit my friends from over there. We would sing. And they sing. We would no, sing I know. the night away. They used away. to come to my concert. They used to come to my concerts. They wouldn't do, no, they wouldn't do public concerts or, or plays. No, but they used to come see me perform because I had second cousins living in Monroe. I had a connection. And I sang music that spoke to them on, on in, uh, you know, and, that, and I'm proud to say that. I'll take your word for it that singing is not discouraged in these communities no not only is it not discouraged but for instance um graduation for instance the girls they sing such beautiful songs they they have beautiful touching songs you could literally cry and the plays that the satmar girls put together oh my goodness seriously and for instance in camp you don't understand um they would break out color war one day and the performance was i don't know two days later sometimes the next day you have no idea what incredible shows these girls put together. Creativity and talent. Yeah, and, I and you're very stage. passionate about music. You're very passionate about music. Yes. You have a song that's not yet on Spotify, even though it takes you three <laughs> takes three seconds to put it on Spotify, but you still haven't put it on Spotify. <laughs> I you recorded you Rebine, a Betty Weber song. Um, I'm very happy to hear this. Now, obviously, there are always going to be critics on the other side of the aisle yeah. that could go to town on how women are being repressed and suppressed and don't have access to internet. I know one of the things that came up in this whole conversation regarding women being discouraged to use technology is what happens in a situation where a woman, a woman is taka being abused or in a space where they're not safe or a child needs to reach out and they don't have access to a phone that only texts their, you know, a basically kosher phone. They don't have internet. They can't go to a public library. A woman might not be able to jump in her car and go out of Monroe to a, even to a police station. Like she has to call a cab. So Libby, how do we assure people that without access to the internet, the women in this community, Taka, have, I hate to use the, the term, equal rights and can protect themselves because every woman essentially needs to know that they, you know, they can reach out if something is not working or if they're not safe. Okay, so you have to realize they have a system that's been running for years. There are hotlines that women know they can call. There are phone numbers. There are askanim. Women who are going through situations of abuse or whatever it is and they need outside help, they have how to get, they know how to get it. So you're right. Maybe maybe if they would have t- uh, texting, um, they could silently reach out if they're in a situation where they can't make a phone call. But you know what? A lot of women do have the kosher phones that have text abilities, texting abilities. But again, it's not only all about texting. They could go to the grocery store and then find a way to make a phone call. You understand? Yeah, I understand. They're not helpless. The reason I wanted to bring you on to talk about the story, a wedding, a Hakhnasa Sevatara that we wouldn't have heard about unless I had you on today, was because it really shows people how 
meaningful the Torah is to this community and a community that values Torah to this level and goes out of their way to make sure that a child feels recognized and appreciated and, and, and connected to Hashem in this way, those are strong Torah values. And when you have strong Torah values, you, you don't abuse women and you don't abuse children and, and you know, Baruch Hashem Yiddishkeit thrives. Right. And this community strongly, extremely strongly values Torah. Extremely strongly. Extremely strongly. Is that even, a, is that even grammatically correct? I don't know, correct? but I like it. They are extremely strongly. Strongly. For instance. <laughs> you know what I mean. You have to see these women. There's a certain purity within them. They're, as you know, either without phones or actually a lot of them. I think most of them had flip phones. So Do they put the flip phones into their spitzels <laughs> yes, against but- their ear? <laughs> Not at the wedding. If you've never seen it, if you've never seen it, all over Eretz Israel, women walk around uh, all over the Haredi communities Seriously? with flip phones, <laughs> you know, stuck into their spitzels, their yes. little head coverings, and they just talk. And it's kind of like wearing a giant uh, ear- earpiece or an earbud, yeah. but just this I is my phone it, and it's in my. I saw it yeah. for the first time the other week. I I just I couldn't get enough. I was laughing so hard. It was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's adorable. Great, yeah. And they go about their business. They do their thing. Totally. And they, they, yeah. It's very cute. Yeah. So you, but so if you, they were staring down at their smartphones, it wouldn't be it would be a problem. But yeah. if they're yeah, one second. But if they're hacking a cup on their phones while they're in the park, which they do, they're on their phones, you know, and the children are trying to get their attention. It's equally as distracting as anything else because I've noticed this too on the buses or wherever. share they love to be on the phone. They love to talk to each other. They're constantly <laughs> calling each other. True or not true? Yes, but guess what? That's why they bond and that's why they're close and that's why they share things and they're not busy but, with... True, but mothers can still be on the phone and distracted from their kids like any yes, like anything else. Yes, that is true. So that, that has to do with each individual. Each each person has right. to know their boundaries and their limits. Right. But they're very pure. These these women are so pure. It's their, their, their main focus in life is the Torah. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's what they focus on when they raise their children or when and when they build their homes and when they and when they watch the dancing over there uh you know with this uh, boy everybody was so emotional. It was just so beautiful. That there's a certain wow. there's a certain beauty to the aspect of being being sh- uh, living a sheltered lifestyle. It's a beauty that they don't need Hanukkah music on Instagram. <laughs> that's what you're saying. They don't no. They don't need Hanukkah music on Instagram. They probably would enjoy your music extremely much. Um, I would assume that probably ninety percent of them never heard about you. Sorry, no offense. Don't feel insulted, but it could be that they did. I don't know because they're also very. Um, they they filter out their their music also what they listen right. to. And their food, the food brands the food. are Hamish brands. Yeah, but I want to tell you something. They are happy, Hanala. They are happy. You understand? People think, oh, they must be miserable. I've heard pe- people like try to imply that and they try to uh, get others to say, oh, yeah, of course. They're, they're not. They're really, really not. I'm not talking about the individual here and there that needs a way out and so on and so forth. I- I've had women reach out to me and say that they're chalashing to come to Eretz and it's just not an option for them. Okay, yeah, you know what, and it's and it's true. I even ha- I I know people who are like who are halishing to come to Israel and they can't, but it doesn't mean they're miserable. I'm halishing to do other things that I can't do because I'm a religious right. girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all have our things that we wish to do that we can't do because of X, Y, or Z. But it doesn't make them miserable in general. They're happy. They find a certain joy and happiness within themselves, within their families, within. The concept of bonding, they're constantly bonding. They spend a lot of time with their kids. They spend time with each other. I think it's so beautiful. So, right. 
yeah. So 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 for the, in terms of technology within the Hasidic world, in those areas that don't have it, for instance, Monroe or probably New Square. I don't know. I can't speak for them because I don't know what goes on in there. But Monroe, they're they're quite sheltered, and most people don't have technology. It's not that they're miserable. It's not that they're deprived. Maybe a person like you and I would say, oh my goodness, they don't get to hear, you know, gorgeous music that's out there. It's true, but they're not missing it. They ha- there is beautiful music also within the very, very Hasidic um, world also. By the way, while we're sitting here, I'm hearing outside my window, Altizachin, Altizachin. Yeah? There are, yes, because there are Arabs who drive around every city in Israel no with these old first Duncan trucks and they collect <laughs> garbage. They collect old refrigerators Seriously? and bicycle parts yes oh, and wow. the recording is altizachen altizachen because back in the day in the 1950s and 60s most of the immigrants here in israel spoke yiddish so the arabs decided <laughs> that they would use oh, the ex- so term altizachen and it's stuck until today altizachen <laughs> that's hilarious actually yeah, and probably half, half of the people don't even understand because a lot of them don't even speak yiddish. well israel already knows what altizachen means so oh okay <laughs> yeah but yeah Listeners, Libby was in Vienna twice in the last month Mm -hmm. to support and actively help. I saw you in in the kitchen and cooking. I mean, you were (laughs) on the ground helping Ukrainian refugees. By the way, there is a full war raging in Ukraine. I don't know if you saw the footage, but a bomb fell on on a a mall. I mean, we got used to it. We moved on. Unfortunately, this is the way of the world. But you were there recently and you have so much to relay. I want to do another episode with you, God willing, next week. But I'm going to have to let you go from this episode so that I could finish it and then we can move on to the next one so thank you so much for sharing your insight and your experience if you liked what you heard obviously share this episode with others we like hearing from you and if you like libby which i do sometimes for the most part (laughs) even though she tends to for the most (laughs) (laughs) likewise the feelings are mutual okay thank you for the most part we like each other a lot what did i say before we like each other strongly exactly (laughs) exactly strongly for instance (laughs) No, extremely strongly. Extreme. We like each other extremely strongly. strongly. For, in, for instance. Exactly. For instance. For instance. Exactly. All right, my friend. I will speak to you soon. Thank you for joining the squeeze. This episode has been brought to you by Tovito, the number one Jewish children's video app. I'm not going to tell you about Tovito myself. I'm going to let the customers speak for themselves. These are just some testimonials from very happy parents. Chaya writes, I was honestly so hesitant about spending the money on your app, especially now when we have no income coming in at all. But with five small children at home, it's truly become a lifesaver. Sarah writes, It's been so amazing that when my big kids want to watch something, there are kosher cool options on your site too. I can now let them have movie night guilt-free. Devorah writes about the experience staying at an Airbnb with smart TVs. I never used a smart TV before, and now Tovito is available on smart TV. This is a game changer, and I totally agree. As Lauren writes, this is one of the best investments I made. Parents asked us to buy something for the kids, and this is what I got first. So if you're a grandparent or an aunt or a parent of children with eyes, head over to Dovito.com. Use the promo code SQUEEZE10 to get 10% off. It's cheaper than Netflix or a tank of gas these days. Tovito.com, promo code SQUEEZE10. All right, back to the news of the day. This is very disturbing. At least seven are hospitalized here in Israel after liposuction performed by a Palestinian Arab doctor. Health ministry admits its hands are tied as surgeries are performed in Ramallah. Now, I'm not surprised, but I actually am a little surprised because I thought that Arabs like their women a little soft around the edges. I was once in a grocery store and the cashier, an Arab woman, 
told my husband that he has a beautiful wife and I was all excited. And then she, <laughs> she made a motion with her hands, like a curvy motion, like by us, we like them a little bit on the bigger side. And I was like, thanks for nothing, ma'am. Um, but, but this is actually really disturbing. There are seven women in the hospital because of Dr. Badran, who is still recruiting new patients who pay him as a private doctor. Israel's National News is reporting this morning that Nasreen Gabor is a 43-year-old woman in Hadassah and Karim's intensive care unit for the last two months in serious condition after undergoing a botched liposuction procedure conducted by this Palestinian doctor from the north of the country. She's not the only victim of Dr. Ahmad Badran in recent months. At least another seven women have needed urgent care after undergoing similar procedures, Israel Hayom reports. In other Palestinian news, a doctor has been arrested for performing unlicensed craniotomies on 99.9% of the citizens in the West Bank and Gaza who now believe that Israel belongs to them. So this is all starting to make sense. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you are not going to hear about this in the news around the world because nobody cares. If the doctor was an Israeli, they would be screaming from the rooftops. But he's not, so nobody cares. Except Israel, which will treat these patients as best as they can to help them survive this horrific story of severe medical malpractice by a Palestinian doctor. Okay, Next story, airline sued for adding kosher stamp to foods without approval. JetBlue is in the line of fire. They are being accused by Hufke of adding a K-Hersher to products without certification. Now, I just so happen to be a little bit of a maven when it comes to mislabeled kosher products. That's right. Once upon a time, I worked at OK Labs, and I was in charge, all of my 19-year-old self, <laughs> of the fraudulent label department. And that meant whenever a product was discovered to have a Circle K printed on it, despite the fact that it wasn't certified by OK Kashros. Now, that's an innocent mistake very often because a company might put a K on a product and then just put a circle around it, not realizing that Circle K is a copyrighted kosher symbol. So I would have to call up the company and let them know that they're going to go out of business because unfortunately they have to recall all of these products. It was definitely heartbreaking, but obviously Kashrus is our priority. Sometimes we would have to follow up with a legal letter. It, it, it was a process. Or sometimes the product actually did have our kosher certification, but something was you know, miscategorized or not put into the computer properly. We did a little bit of an investigation. But now JetBlue has been accused of putting Hufke on a package of artichokes, part of JetBlue's Mediterranean snack box, that is described on their website as kosher, even though it only has a K-Hersher. Now, I have a lot of questions. First of all, why are people eating artichokes on the airplane? Artichokes and tomato juice. It's like, uh, for some reason, people only eat artichokes and tomato juice on air. People have just weird habits on airlines. Another idea that just popped into my head while I was repeating the story is, wouldn't it be awesome if airlines would have kosher certification just for the travelers to know if flying on the airlines would be an anti-Semitic experience or not. So that way, you'll know that, okay, JetBlue Airlines, they have a OU, Hersher. Okay, if you're super machmer, you might want to fly Badat. And and this way, well, we won't run into those situations where Jews are thrown off airlines or viral video clips of flight attendants forcing masks on, on, on toddlers. 
it's brilliant. Every airline <laughs> gets kosher certified and voila, you can fly resting assured that you will have a beautiful Jewish experience. I'm not telling you. Not such a bad idea. Okay, next. Now, if you're following the news here in Israel, you know that Maishi Kleinerin is still missing, but there has been a development in the story and it's mm, unsettling to say the least. Rabbi Yoel Roth has been caught on camera sharing that he had what to do with Maishi Kleinerman the day before he went missing. Now, Rabbi Yoel Roth is a very controversial subject, a famous Breslev rabbi, and apparently he was one of the last people to see Maishi Kleinerman. And last week, an Israeli blogger by the name of Daniel Amram went to Rabbi Roth's yeshiva to talk to him about this last meeting with the missing boy over 80 days ago. He said, and this is caught on camera, I watched it, I do not know him. And then he said, when we were in Israel, he ran after me, and I don't know why. We couldn't get rid of him. We went around to Kivrit Sadikim, and I do not know why he jumped in the bus. We told him there was no place for him, so he jumped in the trunk. Now, what makes the story so disturbing is that Rabbi Yol Roth, or Yol Roth, I should say, because this whole story sounds not very kosher to me, he's under investigation for allegedly arranging marriages between children as young as 15 years old. So I don't know if you saw this last year, but a picture went viral of a very, very young boy engaged to a 17-year-old girl. This photograph went viral. It was all over Twitter. It enraged a lot of people, obviously. And now, for some reason, he admits to being the last person to see Maishi Kleinerman, which, by the way, was also caught on camera on that Shabbos before he went missing, having a grand old time in Mayron, swinging from the rafters, sliding down the staircase, full of joy, full of life. This is not a child who was looking for trouble, but he did have an interest in Rabbi Yol Roth. And rumor here in Israel is that somebody has been arrested in connection to this case, even though there's been a gag order and no more information has been revealed. So let's just hope and pray that Maishi is safe wherever he is and that he's returned to his parents safely. Okay, now, while Palestinian doctors are busy mutilating their people, Israeli doctors have discovered a breakthrough treatment for prostate cancer, and that is major. According to nocamels.com, yes, that is the name of the website, <laughs> Israeli doctors have created a therapy called Alpha Dart, which directly damages the cell DNA, which creates Double-strand breaks, which kill the cancer cells. Now, I am no doctor, but this sounds like very good news. A patient, a 60-year-old man with an aggressive form of prostate cancer, felt no pain after the two-hour outpatient procedure and went home the same day from the Rambam Healthcare Center in the northern Israeli town of Haifa. Absolutely amazing. I mean, the good news from Israel just keeps pouring in and pouring out, and it's always our pleasure to share good news and progressive uh, developments and breaking technology from the land of Israel. And this brings me to our next story. Mikam Chayisrael, this is so beautiful. A daughter's last wish, a hospital spa for patients' parents. Gil and Karen Devora, that's their last name, Devora, suffered the heartbreak of losing 14-year-old Ella to a rare cancer. Ella's spa gives other patients' parents much-needed TLC. So to honor their daughter's memory, Devorah and his wife, Karen Delaney Devorah, Devorah and his wife, okay, Mr. Devorah and his wife, Karen Delaney Devorah, opened Ella's spa in Sheba Hospital on May 29th, which would have been Ella's 15th birthday. The spa offers free treatment for parents of children with cancer. All the people who work in the spa are volunteers. Wow. What a story. A month before Ella died, she donated her guitar and drums to children in the ward. What a special neshama. 
Devorah explained, Mr. Devorah explained, parents don't feel comfortable going to get a haircut or even having a massage when their kids are sick. And of course, we know that when people are struggling and spending a lot of time in the hospital, they also need a little TLC. It's so important to take care of our own bodies and our own souls when we're taking care of our kids on a good day. So how much more so when a child is chas sick? Beautiful. This project was done in cooperation with Rechashe Lev, a nonprofit organization for children with cancer who runs the Jolti Children's House on the Sheba campus for children in treatment and their families. Wow. Mr. Devorah goes on to say, when you open the door, you feel like you're in a spa in a five-star hotel. For more information or and some photographs and how to donate to Ella Spa, I put a link in the bio note. So scroll down, click on it, and be a part of this beautiful, beautiful initiative. It's just incredible how busy we are doing good things for one another. Speaking of busy, busy in Brooklyn, Honey Applebaum, Instagram influencer. She has 91.5 thousand followers. She's a blogger, a photographer. The author of Millennium Kosher has revealed the name of her next cookbook. I'll I'll tell you in a minute. But her first cookbook was just a, a fan favorite. I mean, everybody had Millennial Kosher. Honey has been breaking the glass ceiling in the Jewish culinary world for years already. I mean, Hasselback hot dogs. I mean, Hasselback sausages. Forgive me. <laughs> I only made it once and it was good. Everybody loved it. Hasselback sausage. I, I made her coffee bundt cake. Delicious. She has a rainbow salad that wasn't too complicated. Very, very delicious. Um, so her new cookbook, Totally Kosher, will be available wherever you people buy your cookbooks. March 2023. Honey's a very busy woman. She hasn't answered any of my DMs in the last year, but I will not take it personally. Although if you do end up listening to this, Honey, from the bottom of my heart, I wish you tremendous Hatzlacha. And Amir Hashem, if you have a recipe that's as delicious and easy as your Hasselback hot dog sausage, I will be the first one to talk about it on the air. That's right. And for a quick wrap-up of pop culture news, Benny Friedman will be in Israel this week, so that's fun. Amari Stoudemire, he is a basketball player, not a musician. He is now known as Yehoshaphat ben Avraham. He was spotted in Lakewood. If you don't know who he is, well, you don't know basketball. And speaking of winners, Ben & Jerry's will continue to be sold throughout Israel right in time for the summer. If you're coming to visit, we got you covered. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. We will see you next week.